Hey everybody, welcome to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Rubero and I will be your host. I'll be interviewing recruiters, hiring managers, and experts to help you land your next job sooner. Just a quick reminder to download your high converting resume template that's been proven to get you more job interviews at resumetemplate.canadianjobsearchacademy.com. And if this episode resonates with you, then remember to subscribe, comment, and share. Thank you and welcome to the show. Everybody, welcome to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John, and today I'm interviewing Dr. Sue Hayward. She leads the Business Sherpa Group's Human Resources Solution as an, and is an adjunct professor at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. Sue's career includes service with the Canadian Armed Forces, thank you, Sue, and in HR roles within healthcare, municipal government, crown corporations, and the private sector. She serves as, as an elected member of the HRPA, which is the Human Resources professional association, uh, board of directors, and enjoys learning about the world from the perspective of her toddler son and her great Dane. Well, Sue, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, John. Appreciate it. It's great to have you here. And I know just before we got started, we were going into a few things. But the one question I know my audience is always asking is what is different in today's market? And I'd love to get your perspective on that in terms of what's happening in terms of hiring, uh, what's different there, and what are employers looking for when they're recruiting people? Absolutely. Well, I think it's really interesting. And if you not only look at today or, or and just before the pandemic, but even back it up to about five years ago, mm-hmm. there was a lot of opposition to the idea of working from home, right? It can't be done. It's not efficient. Our operation won't survive. We don't have the processes. All of these, now what we look at as excuses, because you know, when the pandemic hit, it forced us to work from home. And all of a sudden we realized, wait a minute, this can work. So I think that's the major difference is perspective. Uh, people realize, you know what, I can be as effective at home as I was in the office. Uh, I can balance my work and home life. It's always a challenge, even when we're in the office. Um, but you know, I can still be a contributing member of my employment team uh, from home. And, you know, really valuing the flexibility that it gives people to do that. So, and that's fantastic. But from a candidate's perspective, as they're showing up for these interviews with different organizations, how do they bring across that they are independent enough to work remotely? That can be tough. Uh, so, I, you know, I recommend to anyone listening who is a job candidate, making sure that that's something that you highlight, you know, your independence and your ability to work with others and your ability to work with others virtually, because it is a little different. Um, you know, how are you able to connect with a team? And, you know, on the flip side of the table, those of you who are recruiting, mm-hmm. that's something you want to sell candidates on. Uh, you know, we have a virtual environment or we have a hybrid environment, but we still are a team. We still function as a team. We still do team building events. Uh, you know, you're not a, a bunch of individuals coming together. So I realized I kind of went off topic there, John. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. um, from a candidate perspective, um, it's really about, you know, that you are, um, you know, you're organized. Uh, you know, you're able to prioritize and manage time and, you know, how much you value being able to dedicate time to the workplace and focus on work and recognizing that as a human, you have outside you know, responsibilities, obligations, and things you want to be doing uh, mm-hmm. and really finding that balance. And I think, you know, sometimes uh, candidates are afraid to say those things to employers, 
but employers don't actually want to hire robots, right? We want to hire humans and humans mm. have those. They have other interests. They have other experiences, other needs. That's what makes us so interesting. Um, so that, bringing that to a workplace can be really valuable, being able to say, hey, you know, this is what I do when I work from home and how I make it all come together. Yeah. So is this something that they should be highlighting in either their resume, their cover letter or their LinkedIn profiles? I think so. And, you know, I think LinkedIn is becoming more and more important. Mm. Um, obviously, yes, cover letter and, and, uh, and, and resume is helpful too. But especially in that anytime you have a, a contact with a recruiter, if you're dealing with someone, you know, face to face or you're dealing with like obviously face to face, such as you and I are right now uh, over Zoom or what have you, but uh, or a phone call. You know, we still have those archaic interactions every so often, uh, really highlighting you know, how you make it work. How do you bring it together? Because that's actually impressive to employers. Of, you know what? This person has a way to make meet all of their demands, obligations, and, you know, uh, wants come together versus they're only able to focus for eight hours a day. Yeah. No, and, and I've seen quite a bit of that, especially I'm very heavy on LinkedIn. So one of the things I'm big on is always looking at what people are putting out there. And I know speaking to different recruiters and different agencies, the one thing they said, you know, having um, or being able to demonstrate what other interests you have make it easier for people like yourself or, you know, agencies to go in and connect with those people because they have a common point of interest. And one of the examples a recruiter used was, you know, they saw somebody who put up a cooking recipe when they were a graphic designer right. and they used that as an entry point for conversation, which yes. I thought was really neat. Right. So just kind of personalizing yourself. So this is a question and, and this is something I'm always thinking about is how much of your personality should you actually put into your professional profile? Because I'm wondering you know, from a recruiter employer perspective, do they really want to know as much of your personal side as they do your, your professional side? Well, I think that's an especially interesting question in 2021. So <laughs> another big change from the pandemic is authenticity, right? I know myself, pre-pandemic, I was far more polished, mm -hmm. uh, you know, far more almost of a facade. Right. Of everything had to be perfect. Look like you have it together. You know, I don't have the toddler and Great Dane chaos in the background when in reality I do. <laughs> yeah. And I've noticed through the pandemic, particularly in those times of lockdown where, you know, people, we didn't have options. There was no childcare. There was no uh, outlets the way it really brought people's um, other demands and other aspects of their life made it more visible. It was a wonderful way for people to connect and a wonderful way to increase compassion and a wonderful way to increase authenticity. Mm. Where we could actually be the people who we are at work uh, versus only bringing you know, a small percentage of ourselves. Obviously, there is still an expectation around professionalism and you know, that's changed. Um, but the more interest you can show, like you said, you're able to connect, right? Beginning of this call, you and I connected over our dogs. It's yeah. a really easy way to, to start a connection and become more comfortable with somebody. Um, but it also shows, you know what, this person has the drive, the energy, the passion about whatever it is to voluntarily do those things. Uh, they're not, they don't just do those things because they need a roof over their head and food on their table. It shows a lot about motivation, shows a lot about, um, you know, uh, having social compassion and, and caring for others around you. Um, it also shows a lot about your initiative. It can be you know, a lot of insights that employers really are looking for those all around people.
Yeah. And that's, and, and thank you for that. And actually, you know, our dogs made an appearance or at least mine did as part of this podcast for a second, but, uh, but that's true. Like the reality is there's a, I believe, and, and from what I've seen is there's just a more permission for things, like you said, not to be so perfect, right? Like things happen. You have kids running around in the background and I've been in presentations. I've been in meetings where I've seen people's kid. Actually, I, I was on a session with one person who was presenting to a large group and her son, who was a teenage son, came in and he pretty much blew up. Like it was the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a professional, you learn how to deal with it. You know, you know excuse the, the interruption. They went off and uh, they took care of the, what they needed to take care of. But I, I think there's a more understanding for that. So, you know, just kind of keeping it real, I think, is what I'm hearing and, and being your authentic self you know, regardless of what's happening in your environment, but there's still a level of professionalism. Don't show up in your pajamas. If you're doing interviews, that, that would be a bad idea, <laughs> but uh, it, it just, you know, humanize yourself. And I think that's a big part of, and, and what I've gotten from some of my other guests is really creating that human connection. And I think that's important. And it's also so, wonderful from a sorry, diversity, go ahead. sorry, John, I was going to say, it's okay. also wonderful from a diversity and inclusion perspective mm-hmm. that we're no longer trying to live up to this sort of ideal employee that doesn't exist. Uh, but more importantly, that ideal employee was really based on a, on a white Western stereotype. Mm. Um, so the more inclusive we can be around, you know what, everybody has things going on, regardless of their background, regardless of what privilege they may or may not have. Uh, and it really creates more of a level playing field of let's connect as people, recognizing that we all have strengths, we all have opportunities, we all have struggles, um, and, and making it okay to talk about those things. Yeah. I know. So, and, and, and thank you for that. And I, I want to dive in. I know the Business Sherpa Group did a, re, a survey recently in terms of what um, candidates are looking for in employers. We'll talk about that. And then we'll kind of go into, you know, from a candidate perspective, how to prepare for that so they can actually start finding those organizations. But what were some of your, your I'm going to say some of those aha type moments that came out of that survey? Well, I have to admit, so when we put the survey out, I knew a lot of people were going to say, you know what, I want to keep working from home. (laughs) That didn't surprise me. The fact that it was 98% of respondents want to keep working from home did surprise me. Uh, And now that doesn't mean that 98% want to work from home 100% of the time. Um, You know, a lot of folks around 57% wanted a mix of, you know, a, a virtual environment, but the ability to go into the office as needed uh, or have access to a space that they could go to. But most people really weren't looking for that, you know, thou shalt come into the office three days a week or something like that. Yeah. So that so people do want to work or it sounds like people want to work remote. So when they are, I guess, meeting with employers, how much of that should they actually bring into the interview to say, hey, my preference is this? Because I know some organizations, uh, some of the ones that I've seen are, are actually highlighting now with their job titles, remote work, right? right. Like they're, they're keeping it remote. And I guess the ones that don't have remote work are having the expectations that people are coming into the office. Um, so how do candidates, how do they, for a candidate whose preference is to work remote, uh, what would be your suggestion for them in terms of what they need to do? So, I mean, I think that's the greatest one. If employers are advertising that or putting that in the job description, that's a great way of do your research, make sure you find that you're applying to jobs that are offering what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. That being said, the talent market is getting tighter and tighter in that there's more jobs and opportunities than there are qualified candidates. We're starting to see that flip. 
Um, so as a candidate, you might want to hold back a little bit. And again, I'm not suggesting, you know, being unauthentic, but maybe don't make that the first statement of your cover letter and, you know, all throughout your resume, maybe wait till a little bit more into the interview process about, you know, what's the work environment and, and using that more as a negotiation thing as you go through the process. Basically what I'm saying is make them love you as a candidate first yeah. And then be very clear about uh, your expectations around remote work. I think you're going to find that there's a lot of middle ground that can be found. Yeah. And that's great. And then that's, I love the approach because I don't think anybody should go in and say, I want to work remote. <laughs> well, that's great. You're, yeah. you're moving on to the next candidate. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's always a balance, right? And I think from a candidate, from a employer's perspective, candidates just have to be weary, but yeah, get, to the point where it's like, hey, they love me. They really want to work with me. Let's see what they can do in terms of having a hybrid type option for me to work, right? Absolutely. So, so this is a question and, you know, you being in the industry, you've done a lot of work in this area. What does that do for teamwork, right? Like when it comes to remote work and teams working together, is it still as effective virtually as it is in, or is it as effective virtually as it would be in person or is it different? It can be as effective, but it is different. And I think mm -hmm. that's the key is to recognize that it's different. So all of the things that you've done in an office, you know, a traditional office setting or a traditional workplace setting, uh, if you just take those and put them on the virtual work, they may not work. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, uh, you and I were talking at the beginning of this podcast about Leanne Bell from our office and, you know, how amazing she is from our, our marketing engagement perspective. Uh, she does a lot of social media type and interactions with us. So we may be having a team meeting and there'll be a fun pop quiz. So there's all sorts of ways you can use technology to have the lighter side. And I think that's the risk, the real risk around virtual work is people forget that there's some, there's real value to unproductive time. I know that sounds strange, mm -hmm. uh, but we get the sense of when we're working virtually that every single interaction has to be business focused. When if you think about an office environment, you might pass somebody while you're getting a coffee. Uh, you're going to see somebody in the cafeteria. You're going to, you know, whatever. You, you still have those social interactions where if we get into a virtual world, sometimes it becomes task-based. And, you know, I'm only going to reach out to John when I have a question for him. I'm never just mm -hmm. going to, you know, reach out to John and say, hey, how was your weekend? So how do you have those other connections that, you know, instead of looking at them as, oh, it's unproductive, it's, there's no value, recognizing that, no, that human connection is what makes people work together, what makes people feel comfortable sharing their ideas and perspectives, uh, which leads to better solutions and recognizing the value in, you know, we want the team to work together. So the team has to have that connection to be able to pull together the same way. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think you make a great point. It, it, it doesn't also, it doesn't necessarily have to be transactional in terms of conversation. I think you're right. You know, some of the best conversations I ever had when I was in the office was walking with somebody to go grab a coffee and solutioning a problem that we were dealing with in a very casual type of setting. But there's nothing that stops you today from reaching out to somebody online and say, hey, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Can we just chat for a few minutes? Like you can still have that. I think people forget that that option is even available to yeah, them. They're like, well, you know, I'm right. so busy with my work, right? Why can't I just ask somebody how they're doing? And nothing stops you from doing that. So just for the listeners that are out there, 
go out and do that, connect with people, especially when you're getting into an organization for the first time. So this is, you know, something I want to touch on, but I know there's, there's other stuff that you guys found or the business Sherpa group found in the survey as well. And I'd like you to share some of those insights because I think they'd be incredibly valuable for the audience members. Sure. So and one another what was really interesting is when we asked people how they felt about flexibility in terms of mm. compensation. So what I mean by that is would somebody take lower compensation to have more flexibility uh, or vice versa? Would somebody take higher compensation to have less flexibility? And you know what? A lot of the answers really came out around it depends. So 67% of employees value flexibility over higher pay. Oh, wow. Um, you know, at the beginning of this call, when, when we were prepping, we talked about the, the recent news articles around Google and this employee Google. tax idea. And I think we're actually going to see it, yes, take place, but I think I would frame it from the other way. I don't think it's that employees who work remotely are going to be taxed. I think employers who want people to come in five days a week are going to have to pay more. So it's not that I see those of us who are working in virtual environments being paid you know, losing money. I think our salaries will stay around where they are and, and continue on their normal trajectory. But employers who want people to come in, you know, five days a week in a traditional environment are, are likely going to have to pay a premium. Wow, that's that's an interesting observation. I would never have thought, I, I thought it would always be the reverse, right? Because the news that came out of Google was if you work in a less um, you know, if you're not working in the Bay Area, you sorry, if you're not living in the Bay Area and you're living outside the Bay Area where cost of living is less, we're going to pay you less because you work in those areas. Right. But you're saying it's the reverse, right? Things are going to stay status quo in terms of pay. And then if you want me to come into the office, then you got to pay me a premium, which I think is really interesting. Can I apply yeah, one of those jobs? You know, what, Aiken, <laughs> you know, a couple of years will prove me completely wrong, but yeah. Um, like where I think it is, is those people who have, you know, moved to other areas or want to stay in other areas, there's still a correlation between that being a lot of top, top talent. You know, people who've stayed in, in other areas um, to do their jobs or who prioritize, you know, where they're living over where they're working might be that hard to reach talent. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of people have worked in downtown Toronto because they had to, not because it's what they wanted. And now that there's choice, I think a lot of folks and, and the, you know, the data that we did collect in the survey indicate as long as, you know, they're still paid a, you know, a, a competitive or a decent wage, um, that choice of where you're living and, and being flexible is worth more uh, than the higher mm. salary to go to the employer's uh, location. Wow. Again, this is this is assuming, you know, a fair wage for what yes. the job is not. Yeah, fair enough. So and, and just to cover our to cover us in terms of yeah. fair wages, make sure you do your research. Yes, there's tons of websites out there to find out what a fair wage looks like. Uh, but something I think from a candidate's perspective is something that they continually need to research themselves, right? They need to be aware of what's happening. And I know there's, you know, websites like uh, Glassdoor, payscale.com. There's several that are out there that'll tell you what the median fair wages are for certain Absolutely. type roles. So, yeah, and, and that's great. So in terms of the shift, right, from, from an employer's perspective, and one of the things that I'm really interested in is really around what are, in terms of employer expectations on employees today, I know it's shifted and it's different, and I'd love to get your perspective on how it's different today. 
Well, obviously there's a spectrum. So I'm going to kind of talk about, you know, the leading edge employers who have embraced this more, uh, mm. you know, whatever, whatever you've heard it called the new normal, post-pandemic, virtual, whatever sort of nomenclature you want to use. It's really about focusing on what is it we want our employees to be working on, right? We used to be so focused on where are they working? What time are they working? Uh, you know, how long are they working for versus what are they doing? And I think that, you know, as much as the, you know, the past several months uh, have been really, really difficult for people in a lot of different ways. Some of the positives that have come out of that is the recognition of focusing on what matters. Hmm. And from an employer perspective, it's what do we need to achieve? What do we need people working on? Who do we need working together? Uh, you know, what skills do we need? It's really, it's focused on the priorities versus is everyone starting at 8.30 in the morning? Right. Things like that have become less important. Uh, so it, I, I think the smart employers have really aligned that way to get to, um, you know, what is it we need to be doing? How do we need to be supporting our, our employees? What can we be doing to create an environment where our employees are able to, uh, you know, to be the best that they can be? Because the vast majority of people do want to do a good work good work uh, at their jobs they want to be good at what they do so how as an employer can we create an environment where people can do that yeah no and i you know I, I think that's a big shift right and really focusing on what matters what are the results that we want them to achieve and the truth is i don't care how they achieve it just as long as they do achieve it and it doesn't necessarily have to be between an 8 30 and 4 30 or 5 p.m type of window it can be if somebody wants to work at 7 p.m because that's what their lifestyle you know calls for you know if they have kids running around they got dogs they got to take care of you know going for walks or whatever in terms of self-care self-care and, and just mental well-being things that they need to do for that having that flexibility is important and i it's great that employers are actually thinking about that now and it's you know it's something that um, as a former leader myself it's it's you know given the team giving a team flexibility to do that i always found that they always hard they worked a little bit harder for you because they they had that flexibility and even in a sort of less flexible environment and mm -hmm. i know of a, a manufacturing facility that's really tried to get as flexible as they can now Obviously, flexibility is going to mean different things for different yeah. industries. But a quick yeah. example was, you know, this particular facility really wanted their employees to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So they said across the board, you know what, if you get vaccinated, uh, you get a half day off with pay. Nice. <laughs> right. Not a you can take 10 minutes to go get vaccinated. It's, uh, you know, the time's off with pay. And not only did they end up with a lot of people vaccinated, but there was a lot of like, hey, I didn't even have to ask for time off. Like giving us that flexibility when it was available um, really went a long way for, you know, employee morale, productivity, safety, all those metrics that are really important. Yeah. So, you know, so you touched on something and actually it didn't really hit me until now, but I definitely, I want to go, I know, I know this is, <laughs> this is uh, when I say we wing it, we don't wing it, but we kind of go with the flow. Um, so organizations that are bringing people back into the office. And I know, and I've seen this in the media as well, where some organizations are, um, they are letting people go if they don't get vaccinated for work, right? Like it's, it's just one of those things where, it's, you know, you talked about vaccination. Um, the advice vaccination. that I've been giving clients yeah. is to really create a dialogue as opposed mm. to a set of rules. Um, right. We, you can't force employees to tell every other employee if they're vaccinated or not vaccinated. Um, so don't even try. 
Okay. You know, let's have a dialogue of are people willing to share, you know, all, you know, we've done that at our workplace, you know, I'm double vaccinated, very grateful. Um, That's really been the type of conversations that that have gone on to people. We've asked, you know, you don't have to share with everyone. Um, If you are going into our office, we still have um, an office space that we Mm. we use like when needed, but there's no requirement to go in. Um, We've asked people to share their vaccine status uh, with anyone else who might be in the office. Again, not required, um, but, you know, and creating it from a choice perspective and a, and a rationale of we're sharing this information so that, um, you know, we can make each other feel comfortable. It's a choice, um, but that other person has a choice to decide how they may want to interact with you based on your choices. Um, so, you know, let's, instead of getting into judgment, let's just have an open conversation and, you know, respect people's decisions. Um, we are seeing more and more of a trend. I know a lot of the universities uh, are now saying that yeah. they're requiring vaccinations for students and staff. Um, that might be a continuing trend. Same thing we'll see with healthcare workers. I think office workers will be some of the last mm. um, for that for that trend. I, I think you'll see manufacturing and, and warehousing and, and jobs like that um, lead that trend where people are in, in more... Um, I guess, controlled of where they have to be at work. Um, so physical distancing can be more difficult where, you know, in an environment where you're able to say, okay, you sit over there and you sit over here, that's, that's easier to manage. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the only reason I asked that question, because I know it's been hot in terms of the, you know, the people that have reached out to me to say, hey, are employers looking for people who are fully vaccinated? So it, it's, it's interesting just to get your perspective. And I a hundred percent agree, you know, whether, you agree with it or you don't agree with it. I'm with you, Sue. I'm double vaccinated. Very happy about that. Very grateful for it. Uh, it gives me a certain peace of mind, yeah. but there are people around me that don't feel the same way and that's okay. I respect them for it. Right. Uh, but it's interesting how employers and organizations are going to deal with this as we start to come back into that office space, you know, and, and I, I think it was some of the U S firms already saying, no, you need to be fully vaccinated. I know university. I've got two kids in university myself. So it's uh, they were told you got to be vaccinated if you want to come back on campus. Right. So it's a, it's a whole different experience, a whole different world. And they feel like, you know, one of them feels like, yeah, no problem. I'll go do it. The other one's like, you're taking away my rights and that shouldn't be the way it should be. And And so (laughs) it's interesting, but I I thought I would add that because it's one of those questions I've been asked as well. So as we start to wrap up, is there any final thoughts or ideas or suggestions that you would give for candidates who are out there, who are in a place where they're stuck or they're not getting responses? What would be your, your I guess, your golden thumb rule of advice to give for them to try something else and to do something differently? So first and <laughs> foremost, I think anyone who's in the job market right now, I'm sure there's been a lot of frustration as mm. much as, you know, certain niche industries and, and niche expertise have uh, been in high demand, even during lockdown, others have been slower. Uh, and so some of that's nothing to do with, you know, your skills or, um, you know, your, what, what you're doing as an applicant. Some of it's just been environment. Thankfully, we are getting to a point where we're getting a lot closer to a normal business environment, not that mm. there's not a lot of, lots of other changes. Um, so I think we're going to see the job market continue to pick up and to pick up at a faster rate uh, throughout the fall than we've seen during the pandemic. So hang in there. There's hope. <laughs> but in terms of strategy, um, 
maybe ask yourself, you know, am I presenting myself in a way that I think I want to be seen? Or am I presenting myself in a way that I am? And it can be, I know it sounds a bit of a silly question, but that uh, you'll often, I know when I've done interviews, sometimes you sit back and go, you know, they answered the question, but there was something off. And Mm. you get that sense. And oftentimes it's someone trying to either hide something or, you know, not explain something where, you know, even if you've, you've lost a job, particularly in this environment, if you've lost a job, there is nothing wrong with saying, Hey, you know what? The pandemic hit and I got laid off. That does not mean you're not a good employee. That does not mean uh, you don't have an amazing amount of talent. You know, that means that there was an unprecedented world event. That's all that means. Mm -hmm. Uh, So don't feel that you have to try to hide it. Uh, You know, don't make that feel, make you feel uncomfortable. Just, as, as difficult as it's been, accept those things that have happened and, you know, present all the things that you bring for the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad you touched on that because from, you know, just talking to individuals, there was like a shame attached to, ah. to having lost their jobs during this pandemic. And the truth is, it's not their fault. It's just organizations making a decision, usually an economic one. Um, in order to survive and and in order to thrive and move forward. But um, yeah, don't take it personally. And, you know, just like Sue said, there are lots of opportunities. It's an employee market. Uh, Make sure you demonstrate your talents. You make sure you know how to bring those across because that's the thing that's going to make you stand out in today's market. So Sue, as we wrap up, if people wanted to learn a little bit more about you or the Business Sherpa Group, where could they go to get that information? Absolutely. Um, I encourage you to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts and, you know, any comments you have on this podcast or, you know, any other questions you might have. Uh, you can also learn more about BSG through our website. And uh, yeah, we're, we love doing these kind of events where we can have these dialogues and share our perspectives. Excellent. And I will make sure to include the links to both Sue's profile and the BS. BSG, I like the acronym BSG, very nice. Uh, the Business Sherpa Group, I'll include the link to the website as well in case you want to learn a little bit more about what they do and, and how they can help you maybe get into your next career. So Sue, thank you again for your time today. I totally appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you. This has been incredibly insightful. I got a whole page of notes with me. And this is, you know, that's why I was looking over to the side, writing things down. But there was just so much valuable insight here. So thank you for your time today. Well, thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. All right, everybody, that is it for this episode of the podcast. Wishing you all a great one. Talk to you all soon. Take care.